0: Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This
1: week, the team enter some group therapy. As a claret's fall... To a 10 man Leicester side at Turf Moor. This is the Known and Never podcast. Hello, and welcome to the Known and Never podcast and to a very, very very annoyed and grumpy and disappointed Natalie Bromley, um, who is also absolutely soaking wet through and freezing cold. Um, So let's get into the car, get out of the rain and discuss initial match reaction. I'm so frustrated by what I have just seen. We had such an amazing opportunity this week to go five points clear of Cardiff to get some daylight away from that relegation zone, and we've just blown it. Um, Leicester down to 10 men from what about four minutes in, um, and just the Claret's just failed to capitalize on that advantage in any way, shape, or form. By that, be that I guess tactical advantage, or space, or style of play, or just Actually just being able to dictate the way that the game's played. They just carried on as normal and conceded just the most frustrating losing goal in the dying seconds of that game. From individual errors again, from normally really um, reliable players. The likes of Tom Heaton, James Tarkowski, and James Tarkovsky are not the players that you think that are going to make mistakes every now and again. And they just did. Um, and I just... I'm so annoyed and you know what we're in a we're in a real real relegation battle now we have been for a few weeks but this is it feels like the tables are turning on us it feels like the wheels are coming off at way too late in the day um we've just lost four games back to back and to lose against the likes of Palace and Newcastle and Leicester Two of whom are right around us in the table, and somebody else, another team who doesn't really have anything to play for. You can't expect to survive at that stage in the season if you're going to have those results. Um, Lots to talk about from the game. Um, I feel like when we get back in, it's going to be a bit of a therapy session with me and the boys just to try and talk through what on earth went wrong there. Um, But hopefully, you are listening and hopefully, you're going to join us. We'll get out of this rain. Um, and we'll see what we can make of that when I've slept on it and I've rewatched those highlights again and try to calm down a bit. So I'll uh, I'll see you in a bit. And there we have it. Yes, back in the warmth, back in the dry. A few sleeps since that um, result and performance on Saturday. And I am delighted to be joined in our group therapy session with our usual panellists, Statman Dave and... A rare treat for us this evening. We are joined by the one and only producer Matt. Gentlemen, good evening. Good evening. Matt, it's very exciting to have you here. Um, um, it feels like we never get to have you on the show.
3: Yeah, I picked the wrong one to come in on, though, didn't I? <laughs>
1: I know we always i think it's because we've, we've had a thing where robbie spit his dummy out and just didn't want to do the podcast and i'm not even joking i'm not even taking the mickey out of him here he uh, he put a message in our group thread earlier on today and just went do i have to do the podcast because so i don't want to do it and i refuse to watch any highlights i'm not watching much of the day and i just can't be asked. So and we're gonna get relegated so <laughs> me, me and dave just went no it's fine you can have the week off but matt producer matt to the rescue um Obviously, we've just been through our uh, initial match reaction and I think it probably summed up the mood of most of us after that game, albeit it was a bit of a depressing start to the podcast. So apologies if I've put a downer on your listening straight away. Um, We've got lots to talk about because even though we can't really gloss over the result and the very precarious position it leaves us with for our season, um, you know, it it was still quite an eventful game and there's lots for us to analyse. Dave, starting with you first, I just guess what was your immediate feeling after the game, and how are you feeling now?
2: Um, I've calmed down a little bit, I guess, from uh, from Saturday, but uh, yeah, on the actual day, the uh, performance, the inability to adapt to um, playing against ten men was was disappointing. Um, that first half, in particular. Uh, looking at it, and uh, you, know, you, you wouldn't have known Leicester were playing with uh, with ten men. It looked like we were playing with ten men at times, and we just didn't adapt at all in that first half. Um, it, really disappointing. So the the, the overriding thought at the final whistle was um, opportunity uh, gone. You know, we had a chance against ten men to uh, get a result we deserved. Well, we should have got at least a point out of the game, but really playing against ten men for all that time. We should have gone on to uh, win it, but but couldn't do that, couldn't take advantage and it puts us uh, right on the back foot again.
1: Yeah, it really does. Um, it was one of those where on Saturday I kept looking at the table and I kept thinking, well, that's it, it's, it's not in our hands anymore. But actually, I think because I was forgetting that we do actually have to play Cardiff, it is l- at least still in our own hands, even if... Um, Brighton sorry even if Cardiff win their game in hand and go above us as long as we beat them at Turf Moor then it is still in our hands and and it's it's getting more and more just this one game against Cardiff can end up being our absolute season saviour Matt what, what were your thoughts when you came off did you kind of share Dave's view there or you know are you have you calmed down at all either?
3: Yeah, I think I'm um, a little calmer. Twitter is obviously a, a, an awful place to be on a Saturday afternoon when we lose and and the, you know yet another defeat and and the last minute uh, winner for Leicester just makes it, it all the more hard to to stomach. It, it, Dave's absolutely right. They did look, It looked like we were the team with one man down um, for that first half. Um, there, there were there were glimmers, you know, mostly from uh, from Munson you know, surging runs, trying to get the ball in the box, things like that. But yeah, you. Dice is a stubborn man, and I think three minutes into a game he's he's, he's not going to rip up his plan A, his only plan and, and try and start throwing people forward and 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 changing changing his plan. so I think to expect us to kind of do something vastly different to take advantage of that is probably helping for too much and then you know but by half an hour we're, we're behind and, and that changes the game again.
1: Yeah, you're right there. And I think let's maybe stick on this point because I think coming off the game on Saturday, that was probably my over, overwhelming feeling is just that sheer frustration of not being able to adapt and take advantage. Um, I had quite an interesting conversation. I think you got... A, you guys, if if you remember a few weeks ago, we had George Poole on the the show, who's um a great a great guy, and he he really does tweet a lot of common sense sometimes, and we were debating whether or not there was anything to adapt to, and he made a really good point actually. He said to us that actually, in terms of Leicester's shape, not an awful lot changed because they just went from they, they kept those two banks of four in midfield and defence, and just made. You know, they just made do with one up front rather than two. So certainly from the main um, body of midfield and defence, there wasn't really any change in the game. But I think my frustration um, was more, it doesn't necessarily need to be a change in shape that you need to make when you're adapting to 10 men, but it can just be the change of gameplay. And to still keep that Tactic of just playing long balls all the way up to the two front men and bypassing midfield completely was just not working and that that to me was a frustrating bit because you can take advantage of the extra man in midfield and you can play some passes on the park and actually enable you to play some football, which we didn't do um I mean obviously Dave, you were the one who, who first mentioned that frustration of lack of of adapting. Do you think that's fair or do you think that's, that' tactically he could have done more as well?
2: Um, yeah, it's it's one of those with the situation. It's Burnley just seemed to have this habit, I think, uh, going back over several seasons. It's not just uh, Sean Dyche's side now. We've had difficulty before against sides playing with 10 and, and sometimes with nine men even. We've um, you know, struggled to break them down, lost, drawn, um, not got what we should have got out of games playing against uh, reduced numbers. And I don't know whether it's a, a Burnley mentality. It just seems to have... Um, uh manifested itself over over many seasons. I think of uh, several examples of, of games in previous seasons where that happened and it seemed to happen again frustratingly on Saturday.
1: Is it actually a thing that we don't play well against 10 men? I know Dave, you and I talked about this earlier on today because I, it always felt to me like we can't play against 10 men. And <laughs> but I don't know whether or not there are any stats to back that up, or whether I've just got that into my head that we never play well against them. Then,
2: um, well, I've not got anything specific in terms of that. I know I've, well, I've got details of when we've had players sent off. I've done some uh, research on that. I've not got the details for opposition, um, uh, but you know, just, just looking at it from the point of view of ones I remember. I mean, going back um, a couple of seasons when Eddie Howe was manager, we did, did actually manage to get a win. We played down at Brighton. Um, they had two men sent off early in the game. One of them actually was Ashley Barnes. He was a second player sent off. Kieran Trippier uh, managed to score a goal, and we we sneaked a one-nil win against nine men. When really they were playing with with nine men for must have been eighty minutes of the game. The, the second sending off was really early on. It was it was about ten fifteen minutes. Um, and then the other ones I can remember as well. Under um, uh, Owen Coyle, we had one down at Crystal Palace. They had ten men sent off, and we we drew nil nil. We had one at home against uh, Crystal Palace in 2003. Um, First game of the season, I think it was, really hot August day. Um, uh, Crystal Palace had two men sent off. One was quite late on, um, but Burnley lost that 1-3-2. And then the the one that sticks in my mind was one at Bradford City. We played Bradford City in 2002. Um, We were uh, losing that game 1-0, came back uh, against nine men, got 2-1 up, And then late in the game, we're just passing the ball around at the the back. Uh, And Bradford, with nine men, snuck in and, and got an equaliser. And that was a really hard result to take when you're playing against nine men. And you conceding a goal in the uh, towards the end of the game, so it was shades of that again on um, on on Saturday to some extent. I'm afraid.
1: Yeah, it really was. I do love when Dave goes into stat mode and he starts telling us all of these stats. I love how we get a weather report as well in the we middle of it on a hot summer's day. A lovely summer's day, and we got beat by nine men. <laughs> I love it. Um, Matt, I think obviously one of the things that was maybe a reoccurring theme on Saturday was some defensive frailties, and actually from both sides as well. Now, if you have a look at, at the England squad being announced this week, you've got James Tarkovsky and Harry Maguire, uh, both of whom been named in Gareth Southgate's England squad for the Euro qualifiers, and not exactly a red-letter day for either of them. Um, starting off with Maguire, I don't think there's, there's... We'll mention it, but there's not really any argument that he was sending off news. I think he was... Um, naive at best, because Goodmonston
3: was through. Yeah, he absolutely was. It was uh, you know, a fortunate break of the ball, and Goodmonston, I think, does really well to put his body in front of Maguire. You know, he could have run away from him and beaten him with his pace, fed over to McNeil, but he's quite astute and, and puts his body in between uh, Maguire, and uh, there may not be any intent from Maguire, but he doesn't mm. slow down, and he clips him, and he knows straight away. You can see the look on his face. And you know, to be fair to him, he, does, he doesn't argue it and, and, and he goes. Um, and, but, yeah, Tarkovsky's display on Saturday was, uh, to coin a phrase, I think his head was gone. I don't think he was in that game at all. Um And, you know, the errors, I think he was at fault for both goals, personally. Uh, and potentially, uh, you know, there could have been a third resulting from, from his play. So... <laughs> I just hope that this break—he's not going to get a rest because he's going away with England. Whether going away with England will help him or will hinder him, whether a different Tarkovsky will, will step out against uh, against Wolves, who knows? Uh, whether Dyche is brave to drop him and and try Gibson, who knows? Um, roll a six and see what happens really uh, but he certainly wasn't uh, at his best on Saturday
1: he really wasn't and I'm, I'm glad you raised that actually because what I was going to come on to was, was that first goal and we're talking about our inability to capitalise on, on a man advantage what on earth was Tarkovsky thinking with that free kick I mean the guy was going nowhere, and, and 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 I think I think Goodmanson had him covered anyway. I thought that was really really naive defending from Tarkovsky to concede the, the free kick in the first place.
3: Yeah, absolutely. It was it was it was what I see when I'm watching under eights on a Saturday morning. It was properly ball watching and just yeah, like I said before, he was head was gone. Really, He should be passing him on to Westwood and, and dropping back into that line. And even when when Madison's turned him, there's three Burnley players in front of Madison. You know, he's going nowhere. If he gets a shot off, the chances are going to be blocked um, or, you know, someone's going to get a challenge in or force him out wide. So, yeah, it was a, it was a proper... Proper head got a moment for Tarkovsky, really. And, he, you know, we got punished for it.
1: I do love how this is This is why we should have producer Matt on the show more. You're savage. This is what I see in the under-8s on a Saturday. I don't think Tarkovsky's going to get much harsher uh, criticism than that. So if you're listening, Tarkovsky, which we all know that all the Burnley players do listen to the None and Never podcast, you're playing like an under-8s man. Pull your, pull your finger out and get your head out of the clouds. Um Dave, there was some also some suggestion that Tom Heaton uh, for the second game r- running didn't particularly have, well, actually, some saying for third game running didn't particularly perform very well. Um, again, he's also just been called up in the England side as well. Um, I'm not sure I agree with this, but there was quite a lot of criticism for his positioning for the Leicester first goal. Um, I'm not entirely sure I agree with that because that was pretty good free kick but what was your take on whether any blame can be apportioned to Heaton for that?
2: Um, I think that's harsh on on Saturday I thought Tom Heaton he didn't have a huge amount to do I mean having um, playing against 10 men uh, does hopefully make a difference Leicester didn't create uh, a lot um, but he did have to pick the ball out of the net twice from from the free kick we've got to say it's a, a really really good free kick he does get something to it can't keep it out but I think it's harsh to uh, to blame Tom Heaton for that one and then at the end when the ball comes in I think the defenders have to t- do the job there. I don't think you can apportion any blame uh, to Tom Heaton for, for that one at the end either so um, I, I was happier with uh, Tom Heaton overall than I had been certainly at uh, at Liverpool where he, uh, he didn't have the, the best of games.
1: Yeah I think I agree with that. I've, I have seen a lot of criticism and I think a lot of people are just, You've. I think Matt very much um, hit the nail on the head with this in the opening um, few comments about this, that Twitter really isn't a nice place to be on a, on a Saturday night. I, myself, honestly, I swear to God, people seem to blame me when Burnley get beaten and the amount of absolute vile abuse that comes my way in my mentions on twitch on a Saturday night I honestly most of it goes straight over my head but sometimes I'm like guys it's not my fault that Bernie got beat believe me I'd like to have some control over this team but I don't have any um but I think one of the things that um I, I think one of the things I took from Twitter on Saturday night was a very highly emotive reaction to a frustrating afternoon and genuine concern that our season's going to peter out and we're running out of games to be able to turn this around. So perhaps some of the criticism heading Tom Heaton's way was just frustration more than than realistic criticism, but who knows. Um Matt, you and I talked on offline before we started recording this evening about the chemistry that is um, forming between Dwight McNeil and Charlie Taylor down that left side. Do you want to just elaborate on, on how that's going and how that led to our only goal of the game?
0: Yeah,
3: it, it really is a pleasure to watch, really. I and mean, like I say, it is really the, the best thing about the team at the minute. And there were a number of instances on Saturday afternoon where they did link up, um, not least the goal, really, which... I don't want to get too ahead of ourselves, but it reminded me a little bit of Messi's third uh, from over the weekend, the way McNeil pushed it out, hung back, got it back, and then just hit it first time to the goal. Um, but there were other, you know, instances as well. There was, a, I think, a free kick in the second half um, where McNeil just just took it quickly and he just played Taylor straight in. And Taylor was there and he was committing himself forward and he's getting the ball straight in first time. Um, and it's what we want. It's what we're screaming out for, really, is this forward... Driving play down the wings and putting that ball into the danger area because that's where you're going to get your goals from. So um, it's really positive to see. It's it's good that that Brady's not just walking back into the team. Um, that he's quite clearly been you know the inferior left sided player for us at the minute. Um, and you know hopefully this might be enough to to get us the points we need to keep us up.
1: Oh God, I hope so. It feels like we're running out of opportunities to do that. Um... Dave, I think one thing that we were, I guess, happier to see was a renewed enthusiasm in that second half. And whilst the first half was really poor and there was a complete failure to adapt to, to that, ten, that 10 men advantage, sorry, that one-man advantage, not 10 men. We didn't have 10 more players than they did. Um, maybe we might have won. Maybe that's what we needed. Um, I think there was an improvement in the second half and there was certainly much more of a, an attacking threat, don't you think?
2: Yeah, we were definitely better second half. I think the, the we 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 didn't adapt to the um uh, the situation after Maguire sending off Leicester were um even though they were a man down they looked to be more uh, potent going forward uh, than us we weren't able to other than one or two glimpses weren't able to do much with that advantage in the first half. In the second half we we did improve but didn't do as much as I would like us to do. In terms of getting that final ball in there, we had um, some reasonable build-up play, but again, we weren't potent enough in terms of getting that final ball in. Leicester, as we mentioned, they, they did sort of keep to their game plan. They kept the two banks of four, and you know tried their best to frustrate us, and and did that for the majority of the game. And you always feared that you know whether there was going to be a, a, a breakaway or a set piece. Uh, in the second half that was going to enable them to get back into the game, it looked you know, for all the while that Burnley were going to get our chance Um, with uh, refereeing decisions going our way um, it could have been a very different podcast we're talking about in terms of the result, let let me make that straight because I think even if that had been different and we had got a penalty and we had scored it, I think we'd still be talking about not adapting to um, the, the way that Lesser had set up with the ten men, um, but you know we'd have been a lot happier uh, at the end of the day with with three points than. Uh, you know, I, I was thinking late in the game that you know is is it going to be a case of um, a point gained or, or or two points dropped in the end? It was all three points dropped, which was uh, the frustrating part of it.
1: Did your frustration at any point extend to Chris Wood, Dave? And I think we've got to talk about this because it is frustrating a hell of a lot of our fans at the moment. That guy has got to have some sort of record for the moment of number of offsides in a game. Well, he's top
2: of the uh, table at the moment. There is a table on the Premier League website which lists the number There's of a the table. offsides.
1: Yes. Is that real? Yeah. I didn't even know yeah. that. I was kind of taking the No, no, he's,
2: he's, he's top. A long, I, I think um, we we had Andre <laughs> so Gray, didn't we, a few seasons ago. He was, uh, he was top of the table. But Chris Wood seems to have taken that mantle now. I think from memory, he's quite a long way ahead at the top as well. I'd have to look at the uh, exact figures maybe uh, on, a, on a break when you're speaking to Matt. I'll have a, a, a quick look, but um, he's, he's well ahead in that table. Um, One of those things with strikers, they, they do play on the margins. You're wanting to get that uh, that edge on the defenders, um, but Chris Wood does seem to stray offside uh, more than you would like, and you know, more often than not, he's, he's getting the, the flag up and, and getting caught offside. Um, we just need him to be on the the right side, of the margins. Which, to be fair, at times this season during that really good spell we had, um, I mean, I don't know how many offsides he had in those games, but he was definitely scoring goals, um, and we weren't complaining too much about that. But yeah, it just just seems to be one part of his game that's a little bit of frustration for fans when they see it time and time again. And it's, I think from memory, it's it's over forty times he's been caught offside, which over the course of the season um, is uh, is quite a lot.
1: That's hilarious. I didn't even know that was a thing. That's honestly, that's that's made it's kind of therapeutic, is that that I know that it's not just us, that there is actually a league out there that, that Chris Wood is the top of. Um, Matt, I think the end of the for all of our pushing and, and all of our pressing and trying to find that goal, um, can we feel massively? I guess hard done by by some penalty shouts. Let's go through them. So, know that you've been keeping um, some some tabs on on what we think is three penalty shouts. Do you want to talk through them, and we'll bring David and see what he thinks as well?
3: Yeah. So, we'll start with the most obvious one, which was uh, indeed on Taylor as Taylor was surging into the box after being played through again by McNeil. That link up play just showing again there, and and I've watched it time and time again. I you know I've looked at the angle that the referee sees. And there's absolutely, I can't see why he doesn't give it. I'm I'm searching, desperately searching for a reason why Michael Oliver, he stood on the edge of the box. So he's, what, 10 yards away. And I'm clutching at straws, but the only thing I can see is that Taylor's legs, Taylor's body doesn't really seem to demonstrate any kind of impact, if you know what I mean. Sometimes when someone gets caught, their legs kind of bash together a bit. He, he just he seems to be go from a running to a falling without much kind of impact on him. But, but when you look at it from another angle, you can clearly see that he's come across the back of him. If he's given the one on on, uh, on Monson and sent off Maguire, then he's got to give that because that's a similar kind of foul. There was also some handball shouts in this game, the, the, the most blatant of which being um, Wes Morgans uh, in front of Peter Crouch. Um, there's a lot of debate going on about handball at the minute. We saw in the United game in the Champions League last week, or the week before, whenever it was, that people were split 50-50 on whether that should have been or not, and then the changing the rules regarding handballs. So it's, it's just as much of a grey area as it always has been, really. Um, that one for Wes Morgan, though, if you're on the other side of it, you'd possibly think it a little harsh. But for me, it looks like he's he's got his arm up before he's even jumping. It's... It looks a little less leverage and a little more kind of, I'm going to try and do something to stop Crouch again on the end of this one. Um, so, you know, that that was a, a, quite a big shout. A couple of other handball shouts in there. One for Morgan, which uh, came from a cross, which uh, wasn't at all. He came up off his leg and off the side of his body, I think. And one for Evans as well in the second half, which again was very close quarters and would have been extremely harsh. And then I think the final penalty shout, uh, which ended up going the other way, I think was when Crouch was tussling with Fuchs um, in the box, and you know Crouch actually got got more of him than Fuchs did of of Crouch, and I actually got a bit cross with Peter Crouch over that one because I think if he'd just let go, Fuchs might have done enough to kind of to give away a penalty, or if not, then Barnes might have been able to nip in on the loose ball, but. The fact that Croce almost gets him in a headlock just gives the ref no choice, but I think he gives us a free kick to Leicester. So there was certainly there was opportunities there for us to get a pen, and he just didn't go for us this time.
1: Excellent, uh, Dave. Over to you. Do you agree, disagree, back up, have any different views on any of those penalty shelves?
2: Well, we should have had two penalties. I mean, the the one on Charlie Taylor was was blatant. Um, credit to to Michael Oliver for positioning because he was in the uh, the right position. He just got the uh, the decision wrong. Um, you you look at that decision for any uh, top six side, and I think there's uh, there'd be clamouring to to give the penalties for those. Um, and we've seen penalties given for a lot less when uh, you know players are tapped on the shoulder, the legs collapse like uh, Bambi on ice, and uh, the referee points to the spot. Um, so why, you know, quite why, why we couldn't get one for uh, for Charlie Taylor, I don't know, because that was uh, was 100% blatant as far as I was concerned. And I think you know, even taking any uh, claret tinted spectacles off, if that was down the other end, you'd be. Uh, Saying, yeah, I mean, that's that's definitely a penalty. So, you know, Michael Oliver's probably the only person who knows why, uh, why he didn't give that one. Um, and then the other one for the, uh, well, we, we had a couple of shouts, didn't we, for handballs in there. That I think the most obvious one that Matt had mentioned, um, the one where uh, Wes Morgan um, was with Peter Crouch and the ball um, came through and he, he seemed to have his arm up and, and handled it. To, to my mind, that was not a lot different to the one we did get, so finally the penalty we did get against Southampton, and also not that um, dissimilar to the one that um, uh, Everton got against us on Boxing Day. Uh, ben Mee um, was uh, caught by... Um, he he ha- caught handling the ball in the box, and the referee gave a penalty for that one. So those three, to me, are very similar types of decisions. Um, one that went against us, um, against Everton, uh, one that went in our favour against Southampton, and then you know, the one we didn't get on Saturday. So, to my mind, it should have been uh, should have been two penalties, and we'd be having probably quite a different uh, podcast. We'd be talking about, um, well, possibly uh, a, 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 a victory or at least a point. Um, whereas at the end, we were done by a sucker punch by Leicester in the last minute.
1: Oh, God, this is such a depressing podcast. Every time I hear you guys say that, I just want to sob and go, We got beat, and this was a game we needed to win, and they had 10 men, and aha! Um, These
2: things even themselves out, though, don't they?
1: If, yeah, sure. I think we're going to need a long... I think we're going to need about four penalties per game for the next ten seasons to iron out the uh, injustices that we've had. Um, Just a very quick update for you guys on um, suspensions. I think there was um, a nasty rumour circulating Twitter on Saturday that Phil Borsley got his tenth yellow card on Saturday and therefore would be suspended. Um, Dave has clarified and so has Matt as well that it is in fact only his ninth Um, and next week is the cut-off. So, assume Assuming that... Well, after international break, sorry. So, assuming that Young Bardsley misses any yellow card against Wolves, he's wiped out for the rest of the season and we are good. If he picks up any yellow cards against Wolves, he will face a suspension going into the Bournemouth and possibly even Cardiff games as well. Is it two games or one game suspension if he gets one next week? I think it's two, is it? I think it's two, no.
2: yeah.
1: Ugh. Um. So, yeah, we don't want any yellow cards against Wolves. So... um. Turning to, obviously, we've, we've analysed the Leicester game. We know how bad it was. I don't want to dwell on it anymore. It was just horrendous, and I don't think our you guys who are listening particularly want us to <laughs> carry on talking about it either. Um, if if there's anything specific about the game that we haven't talked about that you want to get off your chest, please tweet us. Please email us. Um, we do tend to respond to emails in our inbox. If you want to send us a, a long ranting email and want to get something off your chest, drop us a line. We'll, we'll talk. we'll we'll get through it together um but we are going to need to look at um the running now and see how this changes things with regards to um fixtures and points and our hopes of survival which let's be let's be realistic took a massive dent so dave matt here we go burnley's fixtures which we now obviously know leicester which we thought was going to be three points is now zero so remaining fixtures wolves at home bournemouth away cardiff at home Chelsea away, City at home, Everton away and Arsenal at home. If I stick with my initial calculations, that puts us on 36 points at the end of the season and, oh my God, I just don't think that's going to be enough. So starting with you, Matt, out of those remaining fixtures, where are we going to pick points up from and where are we are going to finish? Not in terms of position, I mean in terms of points. Um,
3: well, I think before Saturday evening, I would have fancied us to get something against Wolves. Um but having watched if that Wolves team that turned out against United turn out against us in two weeks, then um we'll be lucky to get out of that with a point. Um however, you know, I think Phil Bird pointed out that, that you know, they will then have the semi final the weekend after that. They might have one eye on that. They may arrest somebody, they're comfortable, you know. who know. That 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 is a key game, really. I feel like we're in a in a we've become a team of runs we either have good runs or we have really bad runs and at the minute I'm, you know we seem to be well we are on a bad run and it it's going to take something to to jolt us out of it if you can get a win against Wolves that might kickstart performances again and you could go to Bournemouth the week after and like Robbie said last week depending on which Bournemouth team turn up you know you could get a result at Bournemouth um then comes the big one against cardiff that, that is a must win game like you said it's in our hands as long as we beat them um and they've got just as tough a run in as we have so yeah we've got to be we've got to be some kind of daylight for us at the end of that game if there's not then it, it it's a toss of a coin after that i think because then going away to chelsea on a monday night I can't see us getting a result there. I don't know why. I'm Chelsea are a bit up and down, but uh, I think that they'll probably be, have enough for us to you know to beat us there. Away to City, who are chasing for the title till it you know they sorry home to City. I think that they'll be too strong. I think the time of season that we're playing them. I know we got a point last year, but I think playing them so close to the end of the season when they're in such a tight title race, I've I can't see that we'll get anything out of that game Everton it it could be whichever Everton team turn out you know they they have been up and they've been down this season so you you could play out for a nil-nil there try and grab a point there and then well it could all be over by then though who knows
1: well that cheered me up Matt (laughs) and you didn't actually give me a figure come on how many points how many points are we going to get from them how many points do you think we're going to get? I'm going to get... Do you think 36 is too many? Do
3: you think 35? Mm, yeah, I think I mean, maybe heart saying 36, head saying 35. Yeah, I'd like to think we can get two wins, maybe in a draw, but realistically it might be just be one more win and one or two, you know, scrappy points, really. Um, last last year we shut off and, and didn't get a win in the last five games. Maybe that's because we were home and dry after the left the game.
1: Yeah, we, I, I'm not worried about that. I think that's very much because we, we had nothing to play for and those plays deserved a rest as well. I'm not I'm not worried about that. Um, Dave, t- tell me we're going to get more points in 36. Where are we going to get some points from between now and the end of the season?
2: I back us to get a couple of wins. I mean, we we are on a, a really, really bad run after a, a really good run. We, these runs seem to be uh, changing from one to the other. We've had four consecutive defeats now but we we need to start turning it around I think uh, the Wolves and um, Bournemouth games are going to be well Wolves, Bournemouth and Cardiff the next three really are going to be uh, going to be vital but all isn't lost after that we have got some really uh, difficult games in the last four um, the Everton one out of those on paper looks the easier but we do have a habit of raising our game um, against some of the bigger sides. We 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 have a habit in Premier League seasons in beating reigning champions as well, which we've uh, done every league, every season we've been in the Premier League so far, beating the previous season's um, champions. Um, so you know we, we 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 may need to to get one of those results out of the bag. Um, yeah, you know, the likes of Chelsea away or Manchester City um, at home. They are gonna be really, really tough games as we know, but I think once it gets down to the wire gets down to those games, um we just need to leave ourselves in with a chance. We need to do enough now. Um we can't afford to lose our next um next three games and, and that, that you know puts us really on the back foot um as we know with that really uh, difficult run in the last four. So um it's trying to get some points on the board um against Wolves against Bournemouth, and then uh, you know the vital game against Cardiff, which is going to be uh, a real nail-biter. Do
1: you know, you two would make excellent politicians, because both of you have faded those answers very, very, very slowly. Two slinkly. wins and two draws. A win and two draws. Two just, wins
2: and two draws. Two
1: wins and two draws. So who have yeah. you got our wins against? I think Cardiff being one of them and Bournemouth?
2: Yep. Bournemouth yeah
1: and then draw against Wolves and Everton
2: um Everton and uh
1: Chelsea. So that puts has so got us on 38 points that would make me so happy. Oh god can, if we'd have just got 3 points on Saturday we'd be in such a better shape. This is horrendous. Um are we still thinking that Cardiff are only going to it's just a, again a reminder um of Cardiff fixtures. Now they've they've got one game in hand on us now. Um it doesn't Give their momentum to them, obviously, because it is still in our own hands, assuming we we beat Cardiff. But again, a reminder of their fixtures. They've got Brighton away, Chelsea at home, City away, Burnley away, Liverpool at home, Fulham away, Palace at home and United away. Do you know that? Every time I look at Cardiff's fixtures, I do feel a little bit better because they could easily get four points. They could get four points. They could get a point at Brighton. They might not get anything at Brighton because um, they're, they're fighting. it. They're only three points above us as well. Assuming they get nothing from Chelsea, City, Burnley, Liverpool and United, you know, Palace isn't going to be... I've got them down for three points against Palace, but that's going to be a difficult... Who do Palace play? We don't got Palace's fixtures. That's going to be a difficult game to play unless they're on the beach. Fulham, they might win against them. Um Matt, you made a good point, actually, before we came on air. Do you want to just recap the the weird thing about Cardiff's fixtures and the floating games they've got?
3: Yeah, so as it stands, uh, according to the BBC Sports website, um, Cardiff have only got six scheduled games as it stands. Obviously, they were due to play, I'm not sure who, the, one of the FA Cup teams from the weekend just gone, that one's floating um that was Brighton uh, was it Brighton right yeah and then I assume they've also got an FA Cup semi-finalist to play um which hasn't been scheduled yet so as it stands by the time they come to turfmore that they will have two games in hand on us which could work in our favour could work in their favour it, it's games in hand it is always a, a funny one you, know, you can look at it from both sides um I just had a look at Southampton's running that's considerably more favourable than Cardiff's so I, I do think it's going to be a bit of a shootout between us and Cardiff um just for that 17th spot or 16th spot but um, yeah they, they, they could find themselves a bit of fixture congestion and a bit of tiredness and you know it could all just be too much for them in the end there's many spins you can put on uh, on these next eight weeks
1: which of it all would have been a much easier spin if we'd have got three points on Saturday. Oh, damn you, Clarets, making our lives a misery. Um, but let's let's move, I guess, to a slightly more um, happier news. Um, we don't know whether this will be a distraction or not, but, um, Matt, we, we got three, three players this week all called up to England side, with Heaton and Tarkovsky both making the senior squad and a very nice call-up for Dwight McNeil, albeit in the under-20s.
3: Yeah, there was, there was that awkward moment where everyone on Twitter um, was raging with the fact that he hadn't been picked for the under-21s and then an hour later everybody was kind of just creeping back going, oh, I bet he, he, he'd been picked for the under-20s. Um, the thing with England call-ups is I mean, we all know that a lot of our squad are probably um, have probably got the quality to, to get in there, but there's only so many spaces. And if there's, a, you know, if there's people ahead of you in the queue, then you can play out of your skin, but you might just never get there. Um I think it was a given that Heaton would get back in the form that he's been on since Christmas and the fact that he was an established kind of England goalkeeper before his injury. Um and so that was a good reward for him for for the the, the effort that he's put in, in getting back to full fitness and the displays he's given since since January. Um Tarkovsky getting back in again I think was just reward for again the the way he's turned his part of our season around and the the run of great games and the displays that he put on in those games. Um, And McNeil, well, yeah, he's been an absolute um, shot in the arm. He's a a great, great prospect for the future. And uh, the only thing is you've just got to keep your fingers crossed that somebody doesn't kick him if he gets a game because that would just put the end to our season before we even get to the Wolves game.
1: Oh, my God, I'd not even thought of that. Matt, you just, honestly, this is just not even funny. I, I thought that I was going to feel nice and therapeutic after this, this podcast. I thought it would all be okay. And I'm genuinely, this is depressing me even more. Um, I think I was initially a little bit, not disappointed for him, because you've got to be happier with any England call-up. But I did question whether or not he could have gone straight into the under-21s until I saw the under twenty one squad. My God, there is some quality in that side. I didn't even realise um, just how strong our um, our young Lions are, which is, is obviously fantastic in terms of coming forward for the future. Um, I think there's been some, um, I guess, questions today um, with some news that I think Luke Shaw has pulled out of the England squad with... Um, Indre and Callum Hudson-Odoi, is that how you pronounce it? I'm not very good with pronunciations, has been called up um, from the under-21s into the senior squad. Now, slightly... Not controversial but slightly frustrating since he's never played a Premier League game and has found himself called up into the England squad. Whereas you do have somebody like Dwight McNeil who has played is playing regularly in the Premier League, scoring goals in the Premier League and has has been a key part of, of a of a of a squad that, that's current and playing. And I, I do feel a little bit like there's perhaps some Top six snobbery in that, but you know, he's he's done well to get called up, and I think, like you say, the fact that McNeil has has found his way into the England squad, albeit at the under twenties, is a fantastic reward for him. And we do know that Gareth Southgate does like to um, choose players that have got a history of coming through the youth ranks, so it's only going to bode well for him. Moving on, um, Dave, we're going to come to you now because we're going to take a break next week for the international break, which I think all of us need. Um, but when we come back, we face the prospect of a scary looking wolves at Turf Moor, um, in another vital game, which I just feel horrendously scared about. Um, so do you want to make us all feel better with some head to head stats, please?
2: Yes, looking back on the uh, the previous games against Wolves, it's not brilliant news. Um, we've, we've looked at some of the away um, matches and looked at the uh, away records against some of the opposition teams uh, for this season, and uh, they've been disappointing. When you look at the home matches, you tend to see that as a rough rule of thumb, an average, let's say, you play four games you win two, you draw one, and you lose one. So that's the kind of uh, the rough rule of thumb when you're looking at the uh, uh, the home games. With Wolves, it's not quite as good because they do seem to have... Uh, well, they have, they have a really good record against us down there, but they have a pretty good record against us at uh, Turf Moor as well over the years. Um, we've played 65 games against them in total. Um, Burnley have won 24 of those. There have been 18 draws, but Wolves have won 23. Um, They had a spell, a really, really good spell from uh, really going through from the late 60s, certainly early 70s. um, From 1970, they played us, they beat us on the 10th of January 1970, played at Turf Moor and they won 3-1. And they had a spell going through until 2002, March 2002. They also beat us 3-2. So there was 13 games in there. Um, and they didn't lose any of them, so they had a really fantastic record at Turf Moor. Um, so it's it's, it's the, the, one of those sides, the walls a real bogey side for Burnley, unfortunately. We have had one or two wins in there since then, um, going through to uh, Boxing Day 2002, in fact, Stan Turner as manager. Uh, we managed to get a 2-1 win. Uh, Gareth Taylor and Dean West were the scorers that day. Um, there were a couple of draws after that. Uh, well, I say draws... There was a league draw in 2004-05 with Steve Kotler manager. Uh, Robbie Blake scored the goal, and it was a 1-1 draw. Uh, and then there was a, a cup game as well. We drew uh, 1-1. This was a, a League Cup second-round match. Uh, not long after that, that was September 2004. Uh, from a stats perspective, they always take what happens after the uh, extra time. So um, the actual result of the match was 1-1. Uh, Brian Jensen had saved two penalties in the first 90 minutes... Um, it stayed 1-1 after extra time, uh, but Burnley went on and won that one on penalties. Brian Jensen, who'd already saved two goals, at uh, two penalties, sorry, in normal time, um, made another couple of saves in uh, the penalty shootout, and Burnley won that 1-4-2 uh, uh, on penalties. Um, and then after that, um, more Wolves wins, unfortunately, under Steve Cottrell. Uh, a couple of 1-0 wins in season 2005-6 and 2006-7. Um, A defeat uh, in March 2008, early days of uh, of Owen Coyle in his first season, was 1-3-1. But we've had a couple of wins since then, a little bit bit of a silver lining after that. Um, Under Owen Coyle in the promotion season, uh, that's 2008-9, Valentine's Day, February 14th 2009, Burnley won 1-0 with a Chris McCann goal. Um, Brian Laws uh, just had one game as manager with uh, Wolves at Turf Moor Uh, That was a 2-1 defeat Uh, And since then, uh, Sean Dyche has just had the two matches against Wolves at Turf Moor Uh, November 3rd, 2012, which was actually his uh, first game in charge uh, As a 2-0 win, uh, Martin Patterson and Charlie Austin were the scorers um and then the most recent match at Turf Moor was a one-one draw. That was um March twenty sixteen. And Sam Vokes, remember him, was the Burnley scorer.
1: Remember him. Like I'll ever forget oh. Sam Vokes. I did see a very funny tweet actually. Oh, I really need to start remembering who tweeted these so I can give them a good shout out. But somebody circulated a really funny um <clears throat> something like it was it was a bit of a therapy session from Saturday's game and somebody was saying like are you concerned about our season? It was a bit of play on words, and like, are you missing Sam Volks? And I was like, yes, I am. This is horrendous. I do think, actually, um, I- I'm not. I'm not convinced that the Crouch um, gamble has paid off. Albeit, I fully understand that we had to let Sam go because he just wasn't getting the level of football that he wanted. But I can't help but think that perhaps Sam would have. Um, been more effective in the last couple of games coming on the bench but never mind we'll we'll see what happens and Matt obviously Dave's been through all of those um stats for us but what's I know you said it depends on what Wolves side turn up so let's just assume that that Burnley play their absolute best football do you think we've got any chance in this game or do you think the Wolves are just gonna be too strong for us?
3: Uh, I think I think if we if we play like we can play, we do have a chance. Uh, just looking at Wolves' form, they've only got one win in the last five league matches, so you know the, the, they are obviously beatable. Um, but you know they're doing a, a fantastic job of of showing everybody else how to get promoted and then what to do once you get promoted in terms of recruitment and the way to play and and how positive to be. Um and you know it's showing up a lot of teams in in this league really. Um, they've got some very dangerous players, players who can punish you just with a moment of brilliance um, and I think they've got more of those players than we have. but if you know if we press that reset button and clear the fog and all the diceisms that we've had this season, you know, and if we can defend well not concede early, you know, get forward, play attacking football. We've got Munson and McNeil pushing us forward on those things. For me, I I think there needs to be a little one or two changes in personnel. I don't think he can pull that same 11 out again and expect it to just correct itself magically. Um, So I think a little tweak and a bit of a reset and hopefully, yeah, I think we, we might be able to beat them.
1: I like your confidence, Dave. Last word from you. What's your heart telling you?
2: I think we'll struggle, but the one the one thing at the back of my mind is that Wolves have struggled a little bit more against the sides down the bottom. They've they've tended to play their better football against um, the better sides in the division, and they've uh, come a cropper against some of the sides down the bottom. So that might be our chance to be um, underdogs for the day, even though we are at home. Um, and let. Yeah, play to our strengths from that point of view, and uh, and try and get a a victory as underdogs.
1: Oh, I don't know how I feel about this. I just, it feels kind of depressing that we are considering ourselves um, an underdog against a newly promoted side. And you know, they are they are good. Our um our wolves. We can't really, I guess, dispute that fact. But just it just feels like. How does it feel? It feels to me like we knew that last season was going to be a one-off and we knew that it wasn't going to be as um, effective in terms of, of tactics and in terms of, of results. But I didn't expect us to fall quite as badly as we have done and to struggle just as much as we have. And it is, it's is—it's incredibly frustrating. Um, I think we're going to win just because I feel that Dyche is going to really put the fear of God into them and make them realise that that they're actually running out of games and this is it now. You know, if they don't start picking up some points against Wolves, we are we're running out of games to be able to save this season. So I think that will probably really play heavily on the, the tactics of the team and, and get us over the line. Um I think that's all we've got time for this week now. Um we have dissected the Leicester performance, we have aired our frustration at the result and we have looked forward to what we've got now in terms of the rest of this season. Yes, we're running out of games, but we're also can see the finish line. So if the players can just dig deep now and find what they need to get us the points on the board to survive, then I think we're going to be all right. Um at this moment in time, I honestly don't know where we're going to be playing our football next year, whether it will be Premier League or Championship. Um, but we have got a week off now and that the team have got a chance to get together and really find that fight that they need and that bit of quality and and, and that togetherness to, to get us the points we need on the board. So next week's going to be a week off. Um, we are going to um, take a break, but we will be back the week after with a full panel again talking about a, hopefully a wolves win and 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 something else to, to get our season back on track that would be absolutely fantastic um thanks as ever go to uh, my panelists and my colleagues for joining me this evening and talking through all of the issues that we needed to face statman dave and um matt now at this point i do normally produce i don't normally produce i normally thank producer matt offline for editing this podcast but obviously we have to thank him for being on the show this week um but matt obviously is going to disappear after this recording and put together the results that you are now listening to so thanks matt um but our final thanks as ever go to you the listener for downloading and listening to this episode your support is very much appreciated and we would not be here without you we're back in a week's time until then i've been natalie bromley and this has been the Podcast. until next time